TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! <laughs> We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! oh! All right, we got you a hold of Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, All that right, blew I'll- me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 486, and I am Libby, your host, and this week we have returning guests. Hi, I'm Tom. I'm professor of communication and media studies at Palm Beach Atlantic University in Florida. Hi, this is Allison, and I write reviews for Weednopolis. All right, let's start off with the news. First up, I have that Jodie Whittaker is leaving Doctor Who at the end of the next season. So, regeneration time, guys. Woo, woo. I mean, I like Jodie <laughs> in theory. Like, I like the her in theory. I did not like her in practice. Yeah. Uh, they made I, I her wanted to... I, I spent years wanting a female doctor, and I just never really got, you know... Got it's, it's not... I don't even think it's Jodie Whittaker's fault. I think it's the writer's fault. They, they wrote her too weak. Yes, they did. It's, the writer's fault they should write her i mean there were some great episodes in her first season but last season was so it was mostly unwatchable they Mm. did not write her like the doctor they wrote her like a woman who's afraid to be too strong because they were like afraid that people would call her bitchy or something so they made her weak and they almost wrote her like a companion really yeah yeah. rather than the doctor and they gave her such an army of companions to you know that that worried me from the beginning that they gave her so many companions because that made me think they didn't trust her as well, we, we'll, we'll we'll get into detail when we actually talk about doctor who so let me keep on going with the news um yeah. next we have that um green arrow and the canaries is not moving forward at the cw i mean they're doing every superhero spinoff in the world, but they can't do the one with women. Whatever, man. Uh, not that it was that great. I mean, I saw the backdoor pilot. It was okay. I would have maybe watched it. Um, Star Girl, and they're developing a, a Wonder Girl based on one of the new versions of the character. So yeah, but that show sucks. So whatever. Uh, <laughs> Roku has acquired Quibi TV show licenses. And my thing I would say to them is put them together instead of these 10-minute pieces and maybe people will watch them. Um, The lead character designer, uh, Dave Creek, from Bob's Burger, has died. And so I'm not sure what that means for the show because he's the, I'm assuming the main draw person. I don't know anything about animation. But it's they they were it was a big news article and I I know some of the our listeners watch Bob's Burger, so uh, sorry to hear about that. Uh, oh, and he didn't die from COVID or anything. He died because he jumped out of a plane. Why is he skydiving during the freaking pandemic? Because it's the pandemic, probably. And he thought, hey, nope, I'm, he's socially distanced. <laughs> So, Apparently he socially distanced from his parachute too. So yeah, um, that was not. Oh wow, that that was not good. But I, um, I mean, I get the idea. It's a pandemic. You want to go do something exciting. Uh, Tom, you have news. Yes, Disney Plus has confirmed that WandaVision season one, or only if they just do one season, will be nine episodes. Everybody thought it was going to be eight, but it's going to be uh, nine. And heads up, the Marvel Studios Legends little mini-sode. Ugh. Terrible. Is it a, is it a documentary? Mm. It's like this short documentary, and it's terrible. Don't waste your time. Okay. I watched, I watched one of the two. I watched Wanda's, and it was not good. I'm thinking Libya would have done better than this. <laughs> Um, hire her next time, Marvel Studios. Uh, at Fox, Catherine Zeta-Jones is joining the cast of Prodigal Son for season two. At HBO, Reese Darby is going to star in Taika Waititi's forthcoming pirate comedy, Our Flag Means Death. And finally, Showtime has cast Clancy Brown as the villain for the Dexter revival. And I That see... nobody wanted. Yeah, but 
at least the people with the show know that they botched the landing. Because <laughs> yeah. I read something where Michael C. Hall even said this will give us a chance to redeem the finale. <laughs> well, I that's never. Gonna, s- that's a big ask. Yeah, that yeah. is. Are we really going back ass. in time? That's what I want to know. Uh, all right. Let's start off with the shows. Uh, first up, we're going to talk about the Doctor Who. Uh, I was going to say Christmas special, but it was actually New Year's Day special. Um, and they they got a lot of hype. They brought in Captain Jack, the big guns, as I call it. And I I enjoyed him. I really liked... He had a couple of emotional conversations with some of the other companions. I thought that was all pretty good. Um, I really liked his conversation trying to explain to them that the doctor will eventually leave you, but enjoy your time with her. Like I got, I was like, that's all good. Like I enjoyed that, but the Daleks are so overused and so just not threatening. And the fact that you're trying to convince me that no one in England has ever seen a Dalek before. I was like, what are you talking about? The Daleks have invaded England like 10 times. In 50-some years. I, and so you're trying to convince me, all these people are like, I wonder what that is. Like, no, you can't do that. You cannot, you can't space your entire plot point on the fact that nobody has seen a Dalek, and it's a surprise, and oh my God, they make the mistake. And I was like, even if they haven't seen a Dalek, they've all seen Terminator. They understand the concept, or RoboCop. They understand the concept of, you put an artificial intelligence in a robot and give it a gun, it's not going to be good. So I, I don't buy the entire premise of the episode. That's yeah, all I, I have to I, say about that. I, I got, uh, I had the same same reaction. And, and you know, it's it's part of like the, the chibnalization of Doctor Who. It's, you were supposed to just go with the idea that, you know, everybody has collective amnesia. They've all turned into, into Donna Nobles. And somehow they were just... I don't, I don't know, off on a Caribbean island when the entire planet was taken over by Daleks and moved to another galaxy. And it, it's just like, you know, when, when it was just like Daleks invading London, okay, I could understand where other people might not remember that or see it or whatever. The entire planet has been invaded by this time, several times over. Mm-hmm. And, and the idea that they have people looking at these things and not recognizing them is beyond stupid it's it's something that you just can't suspend you don't you you don't suspend your disbelief you have to suspend it from the neck until it's dead um (laughs) it's it it just it didn't fly with me and the other thing is that as much as that i in as as much as i enjoyed seeing captain jack back they can't write for him they all his dialogue just felt so off and I mean, as much as I loved the scene that he had between him and Yaz, that was the like the one really nice bit that they had. The second, the, the, the next scene that they had with her, it's like she they'd never had that conversation at all, and she was right back to square one again. So it meant nothing. And you know, just all of that together. Plus, then we get to the end, and the you know two of the characters leave, and one of them is the only good companion. <laughs> I really was pissed off about seeing go. Um, I mean, seriously, they could have gotten rid of the two younger people and I would have been perfectly fine. But, you know, I mean, I, I was I was annoyed. So, yeah, it's it, it just was not one of Doctor Who's best. Let's put it that way. Agreed. Even though I did enjoy seeing the captain, I was it was weird. They never killed him, which was odd. Also, they didn't exactly explain why the doctor was in jail. And then when she, she, we find out she's been in jail for decades, right? And she's going to use her time machine to get back, whatever. And she gets back to them and she goes, Hey guys, I was in jail. got back to you as soon as I could. Not one of those companions asked her, Oh, how long were you in jail? None of them asked that question. They were all like, I can't believe you left us for 10 months. I was like, you whiny babies. Like, really? Just... I mean, they didn't even ask if she was in jail, actually. And I, I mean, that really, it, it, the entire thing should have just wound up with her saying, hey, I've been in jail for decades, okay? Stop whining about the Thank you. Thank you. you know? I was so irritated. And none of them asked her if she was okay. None no. of them. Nope. They were nope. all just so self-absorbed at how it made them feel. Screw mm-hmm. you guys. They're crappy companions. <laughs> Move on. 
Tom, sorry, go ahead. What do you have to say? Uh, the Daleks are the meatloaf of the Doctor Who universe. And so when I when I read the episode title, I'm like, oh, Daleks again. And then Captain Jackson being, woo! And he's used poorly, woo! And two of the companions are leaving, maybe yay? Here's, I want to pick up on something Allison said earlier in the news section. They have... Correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think that they've had three companions since the very first Doctor. And it, was a, it was one of the early ones, I know. That, yeah, yeah. No, I think so, that Tom Baker... As, he as had three. Jamie, started, yeah, Jamie and some... I forgot the other two. And yeah. it, was, it was because so, he, his health was starting to, to get kind of iffy, too, toward the end. So it's like, to take some of the stress off of him, they, they gave him more companions. So okay. it's, it's always a sign of, like, you know, this Doctor can't quite handle all the scenes himself. So it's not a vote of confidence. No, it's not. But I'm just like, uh, yeah, this was not one of their shining moments. And and of course, we have to give us a tease of the new male companion, because heaven for Finn, we have two female companions, or, or have one a female companion and a female doctor. That would just, like, break the universe. <sighs> Sigh. I don't know. I, I hope he steps it up on the scripts, because... He obviously can write better, but if he can't write this show, that's a problem. Yeah. And he sporadically writes a good episode here and there. Well, like first up, first season, like we said in, earlier in the podcast, first season had some great episodes, but second season did not. And I, I want third season to be less uneven than second season. Yeah, that would be good. All right, let's move on because instead of, you know, I don't like bashing stuff forever. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. And Yay. I'm glad <laughs> Zoe's back. This was not up to my super happy universe version of Zoe, but it makes sense considering where we left off last last season. It, and they did the time jump. Yeah, and they did sense. a two-month time yeah. jump. And so now we're in the healing process of this grief, which I get. And so we can't just come back and everybody's happy. So we got to ramp. We got to we got to get on the on ramp of of happiness. Uh, it's just you know. And so I get it. And I I like where they left anything everything. I don't know how I feel about Lauren Graham leaving. Well, you don't have a choice. <laughs> I know. I'm well, just she's, saying. She's committed to another show. I get it. But she actually said she was supposed to have a return. She was supposed to come back as a as a guest star part. But she said because of COVID. She couldn't get back. Yeah. Mm. I mean, that's that, a that's, shame. That's the big problem because the reason most people have been able to shoot, Libya knows this, but our audience might not, is basically a lot of the crews have been forming little silos, bubbles. And so trying to negotiate two bubbles with the same actor is like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, nobody wants to do that. They're contaminating the bubbles. I liked, I thought it was a great return. I thought that they dealt with a lot of stuff very uh, wisely. Um, you know, having having gone through the loss of a parent, two parents, in the last uh, in the last decade plus. But um, and I really like Harvey Gillen to added added to the cast from who's Harvey. From, Formerly of the magicians. Oh and, yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as I saw him, I was like, of, oh, it's uh, my, the map uh, guy. What we do in the, what we do in the shadows. Guillermo, Guillermo. He not only slays vampires, he sings. He sings, and he's and he's got it. He can carry a tune. Yeah, he's got a good voice. And he had a really nice little. I, I like the way the way they built the relationship with him and Zoe, especially with Zoe as the new boss taking care of her people, because that's one of the most important person. What one of the most important traits for a leader, but. Um, yeah, I thought the stuff with, I mean, I thought all the stuff with the family, because when a family is not greeting on the same page, it's not fun. <laughs> and uh, the thing with with um, Mary Steenburgen not being able to hold her grandson is heartbreaking. And I thought they did it just right. They didn't overwrite it. They didn't overplay it. It was a really nice, I mean... Austin Winsberg went through this with his dad. I mean, Zoe's dad was his dad for all intents and purposes. Mm -hmm. So I thought he brought a lot of wisdom and pathos to the episode. And I look forward to happier days and her finding some joy in this new relationship with Max. Well, and I, I mean, I get her. Max was her best friend from the beginning. 
So I get her relationship with Max, but there was that great moment where her friend was like, just she's like choosing the hot one and the other hot and the more hot one. She was like, so which one's the more hot one? And I was obviously Simon. <laughs> um, and she's like, I'm not going to tell you that. Um, I love her description of it though as champagne problems. <laughs> <laughs> it just put it put it in context. It really did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love Mo as a character. I'm excited to see what Mo and Max do because we haven't seen that pairing a lot. Right. And, and it could be fun. Yeah, but I'm not I sure. Agree. I'm worried about Simon. Now if she's in a relationship with uh, Max, what is that? What is Simon getting going to be doing? Well, um, I think they're still going to be back and forth. Yeah, oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't think that that's, that's you know the final word on this. Yeah, you know, all. great romantic triangles always go back and forth. Okay. Uh, I mean, I love that little bit where they're the, the two of them are sitting on the couch and they're being such buddy buddies. And then and they then, sing. You know, then they start and singing. The song breaks out. <laughs> that was awesome. I loved that. I mean, really, you know, I, considering how bleak the ending of of season one was, I was wondering how they were going to pull themselves back. And I thought that this was just perfectly modulated. It really was. I I want my really super happy Zoe back. Um, but they have to build up to it. They have to. They have to earn that. And I felt that they did a really great job of of doing that with this episode and dealing with the grief, and um, seeing that they've got the little videos. I'm sure that that's not the last that we have seen of the dad. Um, eventually, Zoe will, you know, make herself watch her video, and it will transform into a song of some kind. I know that's going to happen and we're all going to cry and it's going to be heartbreaking and, but it's going to be a cleansing kind of cry. So it's, it's not going to be one of those devastating. I don't know how they come back from this kind of cries that, that the ending felt like. So um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the rest of this season and everything about this episode made me, made me really hopeful and really happy. All right. So thumbs up for Zoe. Huh? Series high, series high ratings for the premiere too. Oh, nice, good, yay! Uh, next up, we're going to talk about the Watch, and that premiered on Sci Fi Channel last week, and it's based on a book by who did you say it was? Terry oh. Pratchett. It's actually a series of books that he wrote about the Watch, um, and uh, yeah, this is their take on it. I would say the show had sort of potential like they introduce a bunch of new characters and each character almost feel like it should be their story like why are we not watching this guy and then the main character is this drunk dude who played Beric Dondarrion in uh, Game of Thrones and I loved him in Game of Thrones I do not like him in The Watch he is supposed to be like a drunken protagonist that's got a heart of gold maybe sort of deal like i'm not entirely sure where they're going with his character but i don't like it and i don't think he's playing it to he's playing it to something because i know i'm supposed to like him and i don't and i and and to me yeah and i know that it's not the actor because i liked him in game of thrones i thought he was cool and on this show i do not like him and we're following his story along with the new deputy, along with the werewolf chick. And then there's like a, uh, I, I don't know, but it's just, it's, it's so all over the place. Uh, Allison, it, your thoughts. It really is. And it's just, it's such a shame because Vimes, the character that he plays is really great in the book. Um, it's, he's, he's just really funny and fun and and off the wall and his his casting is actually not bad it's just what they're doing with the writing that's terrible i mean they they spent so much time trying to to make this look all urban and edgy and and you know cool and everything that they forgot that it's also supposed to be funny um terry pratchett wrote satire everything that he wrote was you know it had a satiric edge and this this they just lost that completely and most of the characters are wandering around like you know what am i supposed to be doing and is this supposed to be funny or are we supposed to be taking this seriously um their their take on lord ventinari is weird i mean i don't mind that they just they cast a woman as lord ventinari 
what I mind is that they don't seem to know what to do with her because she just kind of wanders around looking like she's found herself on the wrong set. You know, she's like, she doesn't know what she's supposed to do there. Um, there's none of the, 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 the cool controlling, um, almost conniving, you know, uh, qualities that, that Venari is supposed to have. Um, I mean, you don't question the authority of Lord Ventinari, and it's partly because he's, you know, he has all the power, in this case she does, but also the, you know, the wit to use it, and and you just don't get that vibe off of her, And but, but there's so much that, that just fails about this series, and normally when I talk about this kind of thing, I usually say, well, I really wanted to like this, and in this case, because I saw the trailers, it was more going into it with this this attitude of I hope it's not the disaster that I'm fearing it's going to be, <laughs> and unfortunately, uh, it it kind of is. I mean, in some ways, it's maybe not as bad, but I and I'm going to give it another shot. I'm going to see if they maybe started correcting things by their second episode. But so far, I'm not happy. And people who really are into the books, I don't I don't think you'll be pleased with this version all right well let's move on uh next up we're going to talk about mr mayor which is the ted danson new vehicle and they premiered with two new episodes and i just realized i didn't finish the second one mainly because i will say this really quick i love ted danson mr mayor should be just easy going easy hit for him and it wasn't it's kind of the writing is just kind of mediocre it's not terrible but it's not really good either it's just yeah sorry we expect more from tina fey and robert carlock yeah and it's not today because ted dance is doing his thing so he's charming he's funny but he can only do so much you know um and the rest of the cast what's her name the woman that comes on as deputy holly hunter she's miscast or something. Something's not... Like, she's the only cast member that doesn't work for me. I like the daughter. I like his uh, the rest of his staff. I think they're, they're charming in their own ways. But I don't like Holly Hunter in this. Yeah. It's... Any thoughts? Yeah, it was... There were a couple of things in the pilot that made me smile or maybe giggle. Uh... Uh, Benito Martinez from oh, that was good. That was good. He, he had a cameo as the former mayor. That was funny. And then when when Bobby Moynihan comes over and mistakes his daughter for his wife, that was kind of funny too. Yeah, I felt that was too on the nose. That felt too too much. But it was, yeah. It's. I'm hoping they'll find their groove, but I don't know if I'll be willing to go beyond episode three to see. And, you know, again, talented actors trapped in a bad, with a bad script. Yeah. Um, I was like, Ted Danson followed up one of the best comedies I love to do this show. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sad. I don't really, did you, was it, was the second episode better? Did you watch the second one? I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't make it through the second one either. Uh, so, yeah, that lets you know where we're at with that. Yeah. All so right. Mr. Mayor episode two. <laughs> yes. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about The Stand. And this one we'll disagree on a little bit, which is that the second episode, I was worried when I started the second episode, they start with, brand new characters that I've never seen before. And I was like, but I want to know what's going on with the people we learned in the first episode. But they've introduced these other two characters and we're doing the flashback, flash forward routine like we did in the first one. And if in the first 10 minutes, I had to turn it off initially because I was like, I don't think this is going to work. But then I went back and watched it later and I did enjoy it. I like the black guy. I don't know his name is... Whatever. Yeah. I liked his journey because I liked that he was on the edge. Like, he could be a good guy or a bad guy. He had several mm-hmm. moments where he really had to make moral decisions. And 
I like that he got visited by both of the devil. Mother Abigail. Yeah, Abigail and then um, Alexander Skarsgård. I don't know what his character is. The Dark Man. He's called the Dark Man? Yeah. I don't know. I did read the book, man. Uh, it's, 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 his character is Randall Flagg. Right. I mean, he eventually does have a name, but they call him the Dark Man for... Oh, at the beginning, yeah. But yeah. They're, they're bopping around so much in time that I have no idea what they're doing. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, so I like that he got visited by both sides, and I like that he was nicely in the middle until he makes a choice and he basically becomes a good guy. Uh, so I thought that was pretty good. Um, and then there's a guy in jail who I didn't particularly yeah. like him. I found him pretty boring. Uh, Tom, your thoughts. Go ahead. Yeah, I haven't read the book, but I saw the, the previous miniseries. I, the construction of this, this new version borders on screenwriting malpractice. <laughs> you want to sue them? <laughs> what? I said you want to no, sue but- them? If, if I were CBS All Access, I would seriously think about firing them and hiring somebody who knows what they're doing. You can't do the lost approach with this storyline. You have this really compelling situation set up, and then you have to rewind for every new character introduction. That's what the, you know, introduce all the characters up front and then parse out flashbacks as needed but keep the narrative through line going. And I think because... that, yeah, that was my problem because we had gotten to a certain point in the story in the pilot and now you're like, rewind, let's do it all again with these new people. And I was like, I don't want to do that. And you can't do that. And this is this is my comment I think I made to uh, one of you before uh, the podcast. When you're adapting a novel, you can't just follow the structure of the novel. You have to figure out how to make it work For as a film or a television yeah. show. Yeah. And I can I can applaud them wanting to be faithful to the novel, but it's the bad choice because you need to tell a complete story that's going to get people to come back week after week. And I couldn't make it through episode two. <laughs> and I, liked- I didn't make it to episode two. <laughs> Yeah. Like I could I literally could not force myself to watch episode two after episode I've eight. watched episode three. So I'm just extremely disappointed concerning the talent on camera and theoretically behind the scenes. The only thing so. I will say is uh Whoopi Goldberg actually gets something to do in the third episode instead of just being the mysterious woman in, in the back room. She actually comes out, interacts, has a moment goes holy crap so she has something to do Skarsgård still barely has much to do but he does have a bigger scene in the third episode in a well-constructed pilot we would have met all the main characters and you would have set up the central conflict conflict between mother abigail and the dark man they didn't do that no they did not so you guys are out on the stand. I'm probably going to keep watching it. Um, I'm I'm probably... Uh, the only thing that I'm interested in is coming in to watch the very last episode, which I understand is being written by Stephen King as a coda to... Oh, that's the, right. It's new material. Oh. Yeah. So I'm, I'd be interested in seeing what he's going to do there. I have the feeling that I'm probably not going to be out, you know, just, just thrilled to death with that either. But I'm curious. All right, well, let's move on. I want to talk about something good. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Star Trek Discovery. And it this was its season finale. And I was not super excited about the whole chain uh, gang thing, emerald chain, um, gangster guys. I was surprised by the whole idea that they wanted to join forces with the federation and make one big group i was like oh that's not bad like i was not anticipating a well thought out proposal like that um and i like that they had uh the admiral really consider it read through it think about it think like okay how can we make this happen he really can like he really gave it its due diligence and i was like man is this gonna break everything where he agrees and then the whole fight on the ship is going to become irrelevant. Like I actually thought all of that was good. Um, 
And, you know, they still have the diehard bit with um, Michael on the ship. But, and to me, the end is the best part. But I would like, some, somebody else can talk. You like, Tom, what'd you think? We're actually covering two episodes, episodes 312 and 313, since uh, we were off last week. Oh, okay, cool, um, good point. I could have done, I mean, everybody knows you're doing a version of Die Hard. I wish they hadn't actually maneuvered to get Michael out of her boots that was i know just, that was a little ridiculous that, that was just a little too hey we're doing that yeah we get it we get it we're not stupid um <laughs> i did like i did like the um os- what they did with osira in episode 12 and the admiral that the fact that um it, it was interesting just like everything Livia said that wasn't interesting however she refuses to do it because the admiral is like we need to hold you accountable for your right. crime Right. Which is true, right? As we go through something similar in real life, but um, the actual finale, I think episode three thirteen was kind of marred. the The thing with the cause of the burn being uh, Bill Irwin as this overgrown Kelpian kid, that didn't it, it belonged in a different episode. They were two halves that didn't belong in the same episode. And I don't know. I just, I wish they had sifted them, separated them and made them completely different episodes because they didn't work. I can understand why they did intellectually, but it was such a stretch. Different tones. I can see that. Yeah. So having Michael end up in command of Discovery for season four, I can see why they did it. And that was the plan all along for the season. However, it feels, I don't know, I'm, I'm ambivalent. I got a little verklempt at her closing monologue. I can see that the theme of season three was connection. And again, they, they were specifically trying to dovetail into what's going on, you know, on, on planet Earth circa 2020. But I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I, I think the season was a mixed bag. There were highs, there were lows. I did I, like some- I, I would kind of disagree i mean i get what you're saying as i mean i think the first 10 episodes were phenomenal and then i think i think the whole emerald chain thing was okay and yeah but i actually thought the the landing with michael um taking command that i i've been waiting for that i've been waiting for her to become captain forever but i wish that they hadn't made it if you look at where we started, oh, I don't even know I should even be in Starfleet, and I'm not fit to be executive officer. Fast forward, I'm the commanding officer. That strains credulity. I think yeah, I'm, that, with, I, I'm with Thomas on this. I, I honestly am because it came off as as like this giant Mary Sue moment where this person who I mean she literally was put back in command for the same reasons that she was stripped of it in the first place, which was to, you know, she went against orders and, and kind of went rogue and made decisions on her own that were against everybody else's. And, and then, you know, she gets rewarded for it and and put in the captain. Well, to be fair, Captain Kirk did that all the time. Well, but yeah, that's, but we're talking the 1960s and we're supposed to have set up a completely different situation here. I I agree. You know, they they respect the chain chain of command, but I, you know, there was, I don't know, there was, there was so much, you know, the diehard thing I thought was kind of cute. That was, that it was fun. Um, I recognized what they were doing. So I said, okay, great. Um, But it, it, you know, a lot of the fight scenes went on just way too long. I could see that. And, you know, all the stuff with, with the Kelpian trapped on the planet. Uh, I agree with Tom. It felt like it came from a different episode. And also, I thought it was just lame. I, if, I, I was expecting the, the cause of the burn to be something really amazing and something that we might spend, like, seasons trying to, to unwind and figure out. Yeah, mm-hmm. something like huge and conspiratorial and... And you know, and and then it just turns out to be this this scared kid on a planet. Well, and I don't um, understand. They they said that there was a whole thing about a song. What did the song have to do with anything? Did that ever go to anything? No, the song was just like a, a lullaby that his mother sang to make him feel better. Oh, was, I, I totally missed that. I will say but, real quick on Tom, your comment about her tra- uh, Michael's transition from not feeling like she wants to be in Starfleet at all. I think they hit that too hard like they 
they could have had her be first officer and stay first officer. Yes. They should have had her stay first officer yes. and then come to some realizations. I think putting her out of being first officer was a step too far. And putting Tilly in. That yeah, it was a step too far. That that just the whole thing with Tilly and then all of that. And frankly also, I think it gave short shrift to to Saru, who I was really appreciating in, I liked in the captain's chair. Yeah. I'm not disagreeing. I, I like that. I'm not uh, disagreeing with that, but they've also said that he he's not going to be gone from the series. They're going to bring him back. So it's not like they kicked him off the show. One, th- one thing I think that they did really well in episodes 12 and 13, bringing back Kenneth Mitchell as a new character, but working his ALS into the, scri- into the script, that was brilliant. And his relationship with Osira was poignant. That was I really- good, yeah. I really wish that they had made Osira dimensional, a dimensional villain from the beginning instead of waiting to episode 12. Right. And I also wish they hadn't killed her so quickly because yeah. a good villain is hard to find. You've just spent two episodes trying to make her a little bit more than an old fashioned style Klingon. And then you kill her. It's like, well, that was wasted character development. <laughs> Literally, the, the, the most interesting thing that they did with her was when she sat down and had that, that discussion of, you know, let's 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 talk peace and and yep. see about combining our two things. And the thing is, when he was insisting that she pay for her crimes, that would have made sense if they were already, you know, uh, a federation together and she broke their laws and all. But she's not. She's the head of an enemy nation, essentially, and insisting that the very person who wants to make peace with you has to now put themselves in prison um, in order to to affect this unity. It's not like she lost a war. She came to them saying, let's make this deal. That's true. And in those cases, you, you don't say, well, that's great, you know, but we'll jail you for the rest of your life. But everything should be cool. Um, that's not, a, you know, that's a deal she's not going to take. Of course not. So it was just... It was it was standing on principle in in a position where it made no sense, and and got and and just as she was getting interesting, they you know they pulled that yeah, and then got rid of her. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm gonna say this is thumbs up. You guys are thumbs this shit sideways up, sideways down. I don't know. Sideways. You know, most I really enjoyed most of this season, but the the ending let me down. You got to stick the landing. All yeah. right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about The Expanse, and we're on episode six of The Expanse. Well, five and six, really, because um, we hadn't talked in two weeks. So this was basically the fallout of... Literally. <laughs> fallout of the uh, attack and on Earth, where and Earth is in shambles. And you've got Amos trying to get to safety. And his storyline feels weird. It's very disconnected from every. Like, he's in a survival movie, and everybody else is in space. So Amos's story feels weird and different. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel. At first, I really liked it because we were learning more about his backstory. So I 100% was behind it. But now I'm like, mm, get him back in space. I'm not enjoying it as much. Because him in a, in a cabin in the woods is just like, eh, no. But I love Amos. Well, they're all disconnected, really. They that's are, but his baby. story feels so different than everybody else's. That's all. But, but one thing that's interesting is everybody is dealing with the... Unlike the unlike the first season, where it starts with three storylines that completely seem to be disconnected, here we have one three story. or more storylines that are very connected, but... They're not together. Right. That's why it feels a little off, but I'm in. I mean, I mean, oh, definitely I'm in. I just want Amos to get back. And I love that, um, you know, I don't know if this was episode, if we talked about this before the break or not, but I love that Avasarala figures out what the bad guy's plan is moments before before it happens. happens, Right. So it's too late. It's like, because that seems realistic. <laughs> right. And of course, every t- everything that she does to try to warn people, they just brush her off because, ah, yeah, whatever. She's trying She's to get power. And, yeah. it's, you know. it's like Cassandra from Greek mythology. She was mm-hmm. cursed to know, to be able to predict the future, but nobody would believe her. 
Well, yeah. now what I really like is the guy who took over. It's like uh, he's the Secretary of Education or something. I forgot what he is. Transportation, for I the think. <laughs> I think. I think he's like the Secretary of Transportation. You can see how utterly lost he is. Yeah, he's, he's just counting down the moments before he just turns the reins over to her and says, just please lead. <laughs> and I like that he just was like, can you be one of my advisors? As in, we need you to run this. Mm -hmm. Um and I like that he brought her in because he knew, he was like, I am way over my head. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and then he talked about how, why he ran and that he used to just be some random. He was like, I don't, it's like, I literally am way over my head right now. <laughs> um, and so I like that he realized that and he knew that he needed help. And he was like, please help. Um, so that, and I like that she put on her jewels as like her armor so that she could go into that meeting. Um, that was really good. That was a really good moment. Uh, what do you think Drummer's up to? Oh, she's going to try to kill that dude from within. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. That's, he's, that's he's already thing. killed two of her, uh, of her mentors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, so she's out for blood. I love that actor. I love the character. And, and I love that she's smart enough, unlike some people and some of these other genre shows she doesn't telegraph what she's gonna do right she's just gonna she's just gonna okay you can tell i'm thinking about i'm thinking of a number between one and two billion <laughs> <laughs> try to guess it <laughs> but yeah i i just love i'm glad they added kara g to the main cast this year and um yeah, what, what's really interesting is what we have like five different storyline, five or six different storylines that are all on all aspects of the war storyline. Right. I do. You know, normally, I hate it when you know I'm I'm with Libby. I hate it when they separate all the characters, but where this story is concerned because it takes place literally all over the solar mm -hmm. system. Each and every one of them is like a piece in a puzzle. So you have to have somebody stationed in different places so you know what's going on and how all these pieces are going to fit together right. and why things are happening in certain ways. And, you know, this the same thing with, with, with Amos. And I think the last thing he said in, in the last episode was that I got to get off this planet. <laughs> um, so, you know, he's, he's, he and Peaches are going to be back soon, I'm sure. But you, you needed to see what was going to what, what happened in the wake of those those meteor hits on yep. Earth. What you know, what was going on and if if there were any survivors, where were they? What were they doing? Um, so I think that that was that was important to, to have them there. But I, ultimately, I think, you know, everyone's going to start coming together. But where a story like this is concerned, because there are so many moving parts, I, I think that it was vital that they separate them and show you how everything works. And, I, and for the most part, I didn't mind it. It's just this last episode when he's in the woods, I was like, okay, we need to get you back into space. Cause this is just <laughs> like, I, I was like, I need Amos to be in the middle of, of stuff. Him in you the woods. Like, huh? You did like it, he was in the wire future style. <laughs> no, nah, I was just like, let's, let's just, let's, uh, well, no, I did like him in Baltimore because we were getting his backstory. Right. So I did like those. And I liked when he was in the prison and it lands and he has to figure out how to get out. Like, all of that was great. Up until now, like, episode six is right where I'm at my line. I'm like, okay, Eamon needs to be... He doesn't even necessarily have to be back with his crew. I just want him back in the action in space. Like, that's really what I want. Because um, he's your big guns. It, it's it's smart that... And I don't know if... I would presume this is probably because the way that the books the books go... But for the show, it's smart that we've had four seasons of these characters working pretty much as a cohesive team, that they're strong enough, we like them enough, that we can see them separate and not lose our interest. Right. Unlike a lot of shows where they separate the group and we're like, oh, bored, get them back together now. Yeah, mm. that's true. I, I, or why I, am I watching these people? Because they're boring. Let's watch these guys over yeah. here who I actually have interest in. Correct. I was going to say one thing is a Naomi story with her son. Ooh. And her and her baby daddy. <laughs> he, wow. She had some bad taste in men. I got. I mean, he's pretty though. He is very pretty, but oh, yeah, but sweet. yes, I can see. Yeah. A, I can see a young eighteen-year-old Naomi falling for the pretty boy, and then going, "Holy crap!" 
He's a sociopath. Right. I can totally Check see that. Yeah, well, that's why she got out of there. That right, right. kid so looks like she he could be her son. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. Really good casting. And um, I like. I think, I don't think he's beyond, I mean, he's done some stuff that he needs to go to jail for. Not, not, no joke. Yeah, the kid. But I don't think his soul is gone, you know? So well, the, fa- the fact that he wouldn't space his mom. Yes. <laughs> that's a plus. <laughs> and the fact he was that he's also really impressed that she was considered a hero on the behemoth. Right. And he went to talk to her about that. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is the dad was like confused. Like, what do you mean you won't space your mom? I was like, what kind of sociopath do you have to be to not understanding somebody not wanting to space their mom? Like the, uh, the observer on uh, the observer on drummer ships, like, I do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because she hates not. She hates her. So. Oh, I know. It's yeah. a whole different other thing. So, um, I'll be interested to see when Holden finally is. You know, one is is Holden going to be able? To, is, is he going to be part of her being rescued? I kind of hope not because I think she's smart enough to figure it out. Rescue herself, her. right? Yeah. Is she, good, she is not a, a damn. Naomi is not a damsel in distress. No. <laughs> so. Uh, I don't expect, I mean, he might aid in a bed and be a distraction, but I feel like she can get herself out of there because she's already got her son who is siding with her. And then the best, the other friend guy who's like, look, you have to come through me if you want to kill Naomi. So I think she's got two potential allies ish. Where have I seen that actor before? He's been in everything. That actor is probably the most working actor of everybody on that show. Okay. Because yeah, he looks so. I'm into IMDb him because he looks so familiar. Yeah, he's that he's that actor who's been in every. He's like, oh, he's from that thing and that, that thing guy. and that thing. That he's been in almost every cop show, ever. And he was a lead cop on. Oh God, what was it? Oh, I can't think of it right now. Oh, I'm blanking. But uh, we'll look it up later. Somebody tell us. But he, he was the lead cop on a show that I watched all the time, and I can't think of which show it was. I'm sure at 3 o'clock in the morning it'll come to you. I'm sure. All right, but let's move on. Uh, next up, we're going to go on to Bridgerton, which I'm sure all of you have already finished. <laughs> Everyone's yeah, finished I'm it. Good. I'm doing the two episodes a week. Oh, you're only watching two episodes a week? Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, if you haven't noticed, we're kind of starting to get really thin on the supply of television. No, no, it's actually about to pick up. Everything's picking up in the next week or so. So, um, but yes, we'll talk about episodes three and four, Bridgerton and Tom. Since you're on the three and four, then you know where those what episodes those are, because I certainly do not. Uh, Basically, the prince has come and Queen Charlotte really is trying to fix up the prince with Daphne. And Daphne, of course, has made this wonderful little devil's bargain with Simon. And um, they're trying to negotiate that. And then um, basically somebody overheard and saw Daphne and Simon together. So if he doesn't marry her, she will be disgraced. Is that how the episode ends for you? That's that's how episode four ends. And he, he is initially not inclined to do it. Right. And the thing that's interesting is you can see him. I mean, you can see that he is actually falling for her. Right. And she, oh, (laughs) in our text thread over the weekend, um, they talked about really interesting things like what a man, what a husband and a wife do together. And he said, you can actually practice that when you're by yourself. Oh, right. (laughs) Right, right, right. (laughs) I'm like, okay. <laughs> he gave her homework. Yes, he did. <laughs> Which she did. Yes, she did. She got an A from what I remember. <laughs> yeah, that was that was Whoa. actually really good. The show. And, and what is Mrs. Whistledown doing? Do you do you remember? Oh, you mean the gossip? Oh, she's just by Mrs. Whistledown. You mean Julie Andrews' character? Yeah, just the voiceover. Like what? Oh, she she's got her hooks into everything. Basically, I mean, it's a plot device. Just it's basically Gossip Girl. Yeah, I know. But, um, the right, but I think that the latest thing that... is that she's she's um, 
she's gone from from uh, talking about the uh, the two leads, um, the 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 Duke, the Duke, the Duke, and and her as as a couple, and now trying to match her up with the prince instead. Right. So I think I think that's where Whistledown is right now. Is oh no no she and the prince are are an item. Well, that's mainly because that's what the queen is trying to do. And so she, exactly. she, she's talking about that's the queen's move. Uh, the prince is cute-ish, I guess. Uh, in 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 your if if this was the live action Disney version of Frozen, he'd be the dude who turns out to be evil at the end. <laughs> that's true, but he doesn't seem. That, oh no no no! That, no, he's, he's your good. He's your good-looking, generic white dude with yeah. curly blondish hair. Yes, mm-hmm. and, and he's and generic is about the right word I would use for yes. him. Good-hearted uh, but bland. Yes, I didn't very realize bland. that Queen Charlotte was George the Third's wife. Yeah, she's a real person. Mm-hmm. Oh no 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 no! I knew she was a real person, but I didn't know she was that George the Third. Oh, okay. Yes, Mad like, King George. Well, that's why they show him being mad. Like, he's totally out of his head. Yes. What What interests me, though, is that they've, they've yet to show um, the, uh, you know, George IV, who should be an adult by now. And, and that's what the Regency period is is referred to. It's it's He's he's the Prince Regent. Mm-hmm. And he, he was making a great big mess around town. <laughs> in in real life um around this period so i'm surprised that they haven't actually shown him in the series because you know he was hanging out with bo brummel and and making quite a name for himself in the worst possible way it's always interesting when when you see historical fiction especially when you go back this far how many liberties they take and are willing to take it's like okay we'll keep george the third We'll make Charlotte uh, mulatto. She is mulatto. No, she she was in real life, but this is the first thing that's portrayed her as being mulatto. Okay, I was but she kidding. was in real life. But it but it's interesting, you know. Just when it's it's the same thing that the, the crown has been dealing with is when you start to deviate with the truth. Where is that well, line? Yeah, yeah. Where's the line? Right? True. The Bridgerton family obviously is not real, whereas the Windsors are. But um, since they are you know, out of the box, historical fiction, they have a lot more liberties. They, they can take a, a lot more artistic license. Right. But like Allison said, it would be interesting if they did work in George. The, I don't know. I haven't read the books and I doubt if I will, but I will keep watching this show. <laughs> and let me say the costume that uh, Simon wears about halfway through episode four is amazing. It's like this scarlet top coat with this gold brocade vest, and I'm like, dude, I want that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I was like, that's, that's your next cosplay. I see that coming. <laughs> Get out of this pandemic. <laughs> the the, costumes, the costumes are really uneven. Some of the costumes are absolutely gorgeous, but everything that they stick Polly Walker and her her daughters in are. Well, are they doing that? But they're doing that on purpose. No. Well, they're. But but the thing is, you know, they're supposed to be tacky and awful. But you can do tacky and awful and also have it be historically valid. And they're they're just they they just threw anything on top of them and and any silhouette. And uh, I mean, it's it just it just looks completely wrong. It looks like. My, and, and cheap modern jewelry and it, it just looks terrible so I, I I don't know what went on there especially when all, all the other characters are dressed correctly for the period even if they're tacky they should be tacky in a way that's period correct it's interesting to see Polly Walker in this role because she usually plays the person with power who's manipulating everybody else and here she is so not she has no power Although, right We'll see what happens. You know, I didn't read the books, but, you know, now that, well, we haven't gotten to that. Yes, yeah, he's uh, only on episode four, so. So, yeah, but we'll see what happens to her character later on. Yep. I thoroughly, I will say that this show, for the most part, sticks the landing, except for I have one quibble, and we'll get there when we get to the end. But other than that, you have fun watching and catch up with the rest of us. But let's move on. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about A Discovery of Witches, and it just premiered yesterday on 
Sundance, on AMC, on some channel that most people some don't. streaming service that almost nobody has. has. Exactly, um, and I have to say, it picks up from season one like five seconds later. So they do that, but because we've time traveled to fifteen ninety, yeah. Uh, it's now become a period piece. And I was like, oh, wait, okay, we're a period piece now. All right, let's go. And I'm enjoying that part aspect of the show. But what I really did not like, especially at the very beginning of the episode, was, oh, God, what's the lead dude's name? Um, I wanted, I almost called him Simon. Matthew? I was like, wrong show. Matthew? Yeah, Matthew. He was all domineering and telling her she has to stay inside and telling her what she's going to do and not do and all this other stuff. And she was like, dude, what are you talking about? I'll do what I want to do. And I was like, is this supposed to be sexy that that he's her guy now? And so he's domineering and controlling. And is that a thing in these romance novels that I just don't get? Because it was just really turning. It made Matthew super unattractive to me in this episode. Um... And I thought he was hot in first season, and I did not like him in, at the beginning of this season. Well, I think one of the things that she was warned about um, by uh, by uh, Christopher Marlowe, um, who he's buddies with and who turns out to be a demon, um, is that the longer he's here in this time, the more he's going to be like he was in this period that it starts to affect him the the, the version of him yeah, but he existed, was there but he was there for five seconds and started being a jerk i was like what the heck but go ahead i see what you yeah mean. but I, th- I think that that's their excuse for it it's because it's you know i mean they st- they start showing him kind of becoming more cold and and uh more violent and you know tolerant of violence and and that sort of thing so i think that that's I think that that's part of it. I think that that's what they were going for. Um, and, and also I think too, you know, there's, there's a certain rationale to him saying, you know, you, you can't just go running around doing what you want to do because it is 1590 yeah. and, and women couldn't just, just run off and do and say whatever they wanted to, uh, or go off unescorted, you know, in, in various places. Um, so and and you know, even in this in this alternate universe of theirs where where witches and demons and vampires are acknowledged, uh, you know it's still it's there. There are certain things that well, I, I can and cannot do. I get that, but there was also that moment where he was like, "We have to share everything with each other. You can't lie to me. Don't you trust me?" Blah blah blah. And she and she turned it around on him. She's like, "Oh, so where were you last night?" And he was mm-hmm. like, "Uh, I was doing a thing." And she's like, "Uh huh." And he's like, you know, a thing I can't tell you about. And she's like, right. And so that's that's my issue with his character. He is just, he's not a sexy lead right now. I'm not I'm not buying him as as her partner guy. That like, yeah, he's all his points that he garnered in first season. He lost them all in the premiere for me. So. But I did really like that conversation that she had at the end, which was with his obviously ex-lover guy who was super jealous. Um, when he told her, he's like, oh, did he find you and you were very unique and then you were the most important thing in his universe? And then, and like he broke it down and I was like, whoa, <laughs> that was fantastic. Like that was the best part of the episode, I think. So, uh, Allison, did you, you watch just the premiere, right? Or did you watch more? Uh, no, I'm up to episode five. Of course you are. I knew it! I knew it! I knew you couldn't maintain. I had maintain. no self-control. <laughs> the only reason I stopped there is because it was like three o'clock in the morning and I had to get to bed. But, uh, yeah, it's, no, it's it's fun and I, I, I'm really enjoying the season so far. And, you know, there are things that I, especially when we were just complaining about Bridgerton, about the, the casualness they are with the costuming, one of the things that I really appreciated is is how she's talking about how you know when he didn't want her running around town at first she she finds out later it's because she was wearing a 20 year old dress <laughs> she didn't want he didn't want her wandering around looking like a fashion victim right. so um and then they make a great show of her putting on yeah. a period perfect gown from the the undergarments up and showing exactly what goes into it and what was 
you know, the correct style at the time. And I thought, that's fantastic. I, I love how they did that. Yeah, that um, was so pre- that was a really pretty that was, that was a really pretty uh, dress. And then I was like, and then what he was wearing, I was like, what's with the capes off to the side? Was he one of the three musketeers? Like I didn't understand why that was a fashion where you wear a cape, but they only like that. on one shoulder. It's so bizarre. They did that. That was if if it wasn't actually cold outside, you didn't have to wear it for warmth. That was that was like a rakish thing to do. I think it was actually Sir Walter Raleigh who who got the, that fashion trend started. But it, yeah, you wore it, and there was like a chain that went off to the side yeah. and held cape sideways. That was, was a thing. Yeah, I saw. I realized that was a thing, and I was like, "Oh, you look like one of the Three Musketeers. That's so nice." <laughs> uh, but yeah, overall, I'm waiting for her to master her magic and to be awesome again. And. Uh, I'm okay with staying in this time period to see what she does. So, thumbs up for me. And I think that's all we have to talk about this week. If you guys have any questions or comments, you can leave them at tvcampfire at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter or on Facebook. Listen to us on getthepointradio.com, Krypton Radio, Weedonopolis, and iTunes. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.